The Gospel, a basic truth, is sponsored by One Jump Ahead, a nonprofit sport ministry with a focus on strengthening families on our journey together. They provide a family oriented sport with Christ centered values and a unique look into how jump rope goes hand in hand with the gospel and our daily walk with Christ. Check them out. Go to onejumpahead.org. That's onejumpahead.org. Greetings. Today we are going to look at the gospel as it is presented in the letter to the Galatians. Turn with me, if you will, to Galatians chapter 2, starting verse 16. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. And there's one more time I'm going to read Galatians 3.11. Clearly, no one is justified before God by the law, because the righteous will live by faith. The letter to the Galatians was written by the Apostle Paul. During his first missionary journey, he was able to um, plant some churches in what's called Southern Galatia. Galatia is where the Gauls settled. And we can read about Paul's uh, first missionary journey in Southern Galatia. Several churches were planted, so good, solid churches. They all heard the gospel. When they got up and running and Paul felt comfortable that they would do well, he, of course, went and moved on to his next missionary opportunity. But by and by, something bad happened. False teachers came, and they began to teach another gospel. It turned out that these were Jews, and they said, oh, you've accepted Jesus. Well, you know, that's good, but you also have to obey all the law of Moses and the Torah, and, and, you, and you have to get circumcised. And, and you're really not saved unless you, you do all of that. And these false teachers were called Judaizers. When Paul hears about this, he is, he's angry, he's furious. And so he writes this letter, and, it, and it's a letter with a lot of tang to it. He, he, he really is calling them to task. He's saying, what is the matter with you? Are you bewitched? You were so eager to accept the gospel by faith, and now you're just throwing it out and accepting another gospel? Not that there is another gospel. And then Paul, in his background of his letter, he's telling them, look, I've dealt with this before. When we were in Antioch, now Antioch was an important city in Rome. It was in Syria, and the early church was able to, to start there among the Gentiles. And uh, very quickly, the Jews would come up to Antioch to see what was going on, and some of them started to also say, you know, you have to obey the law of Moses and get circumcised. And Paul is telling them about that earlier experience, and it was so bad that even Peter, the supposed head of the church, was feeling guilty that he was not obeying the law of Moses, and he pulls away from the Gentile believers while he was there. And then Paul says his traveling companion, Barnabas, <laughs> how could Barnabas, they were going to Gentiles, and all of a sudden Barnabas too is pulling back because of these false teachers, these Judaizers. And, of course, we talked before how the Apostle Paul just got in Peter's face and just took him to task in front of everybody and said, you of everybody should know better. I mean, you were there when Cornelius the centurion, a Gentile, and his whole family accepted Christ and spoke in tongues. 
And, and, and now you're, you're changing your mind? So with that as a background, he's going after the Galatians. The book of Galatians really answers the question, how can I be right with God? And it presents the human problem. The human problem is this. Human nature is incredibly legalistic, and it finds it impossible to believe in grace. What does that mean? We, we always want rules. And, and if we don't have any, we'll make some up. And it's just impossible for us as human beings to accept that even though we've done bad things, we can be forgiven in Christ because it's grace, and, and we, we don't get it. The other problem with the human nature is that we, we, we're so legalistic, we don't meet the laws, and then we're filled with guilt because we can't meet the, these legalisms. And Paul's going to talk about that in Galatians. Galatians, it is said, is one of the first letters that Paul wrote, and I think it's actually probably the first that, that we have in the New Testament. Galatians is often said to be a short form of the book of Romans, or that Romans is a much more expanded version than Galatians. Paul talks about, uh, in, in Romans, this, this idea that, okay, Jews know they're guilty because they have the law of Moses and they don't measure up. And someone could say, yes, but what about the Gentiles in China? They don't have the law. Are they held to it? And Paul says, no, they're not held to the law of Moses, but they're still guilty of sin because of their own conscience. So everybody has a conscience and you've made up your own little rules and you can't even meet your own rules. So everybody is guilty, either by their conscience or by the law of Moses. In Paul's letters, kind of four parts. There's always an introduction. There's the first half of each letter really deals with Bible teaching. The second part of the letters always deal with application. All right, so we've got the Bible teaching. Now, how does that apply to us? And then finally, there's some concluding remarks. In almost all of his uh, letters and also in most of the letters of the other writers of the New Testament, they include this phrase, grace and peace. I'll read it to you out of Galatians. This is Galatians 1, 3 through 5. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself up for our sins to deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Well, obviously, the gospel is presented here in 3 and 5 as well. I want to look at these two words, grace and peace. So Paul, as he always does, starts out and says to the Galatians, grace. What is grace? Unmerited favor. It's forgiveness of sin. Almost every letter, he includes that. And the second thing he says, in peace. Peace has really two aspects to it. There's peace between God and men because we're no longer at war with God because because of what Christ did on the cross. The other aspect of peace is that it stills the conscience. It stills the conscience. So the human nature that always wants to have some legalism, and then when we don't meet our own conscience, we, we, we have a guilty conscience. And so Paul, using peace in both of those respects, is saying, you now have a, a, can have peace in your conscience because your sin is completely forgiven. If we think of salvation, we usually think of it in three parts. Let me just look at the first two here. But 
God chooses us before the beginning of the world unto salvation, before we were ever born. We can read about it all in the book of Ephesians. And then when we accept by faith, that is justification. And then later, yes, we are saved, but we're still sinners. If we're breathing, we're still sinning. And so sanctification is that process as, as a saved person of how to live right with God in the flesh after you're saved. And then that verse 311, which I read earlier, was the righteous will live by faith. So just as you accepted Christ in faith, your walk with him afterwards has to be in faith. Okay, we're not sanctified because of all the little things we do. Let me go back to this word justification for just a moment. You can do it yourself. You can take uh, concordance, English, Greek concordance if you have one, and you can look up the word justify or justification. And in the New Testament, really the first time we see it used is in this letter, Galatians. Paul, of course, writes Romans later, and he uses justification and justify a lot in Romans as well. But it's like a Christian word. What exactly does justify mean? I looked it up in a dictionary, and it says, to justify is to make right, to be righteous. Okay, I look up righteous in the dictionary, and it says, to justify. Ah, I'm going in circles. Sometimes it's helpful to look at the underlying Greek. In this case, the underlying Greek word for to justify, as we read in our Galatians 2.16, comes from a court of law. Think of a criminal court. Someone is charged with a crime. Okay, if the court decides they did do the crime, they they will have to suffer the punishment. At the end of the trial, the judge has to make a decision. We call this a binary decision. Okay, either you did it or you didn't do it. Well, if the judge decides that you did it, then you are pronounced guilty, right? That's if, that's if they determine you did the offense and you deserve the punishment. But if the end of the trial, the judge decides to do the other, then the judge would say, you are justified, in a sense, found guilty. Let's go back to the memory verse. Again, let's just use the first half of verse 16 for our memory verse. I'll read it once uh, as it's written, and then I'll, I'll try to explain Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. Okay, in my own words, yet we know that a person is not found innocent under the law, by works of the law. A person found innocent is made right only through faith in Jesus Christ. So Galatians, the first half, is dealing with, all right, what is the gospel and what is not? What is the gospel, of course, is being justified, being right through faith in Jesus Christ. What is not is Jesus plus obeying the laws. The second part of the letter of Galatians now says, what is the practical application of people who are saved? And now he's getting into that sanctification process. And just as you are saved in faith, you walk in faith, and you don't need to have a guilty conscience. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. 
Now, you can say, well, all right, does Galatians really have a whole lot of meaning to us today because none of us are really tempted to say, oh, I want to I figure out what the law of Moses is and, and live kosher from now on. You know, I, I don't think that's a temptation today. So is Galatians really still relevant to us? Because clearly in Galatians 2.16 and 3.11, he's referring to the law of Moses. And the answer to that is, it is still relevant. Now we're going to fast forward. So this is 2,000 years ago. We're going to fast forward 1,500 years. The year is 1519. There's this man. He's a Augustinian priest, and he has a profound sense of guilt. He, he, his life is, is he's terrified because he knows he's going to go to hell. He's not good enough. His name is Martin Luther. And Martin Luther, this Augustinian priest, discovers the book of Galatians, and he reads it, and he reads it, and he is blown away. Oh, my gosh. I, I don't have to obey all of the silly things this medieval Roman Catholic Church is putting on me. I, I, don't, I, don't, have to, I don't have to feel bad if, if I don't get the sacraments you know, correct today. I, I, don't, I don't have to have all this. I can be saved through faith, and I can walk in faith. Galatians was so important to Luther, he carried it with him everywhere. He wrote and preached out of Galatians more than any other book in the New Testament. And he called Galatians his Katie. Little explanation here. Martin Luther's wife was named Catherine. Her nickname was Katie. What he was saying is, in the ministry, Galatians is my wife. That was how important it was to him because he was able now to be saved through faith and to walk in faith and and not have this terrible guilt. Now, I know there are some Christian churches out there who say, well, if you get saved, you don't have to sin anymore. And I have met some what I thought were pretty arrogant people who said, yep, I haven't sinned in years. Except that's not what the Bible says. The, the little letter of 1 John, first chapter, John is saying, if we say we do not sin, we lie and the truth is not in us. If you say, well, I haven't sinned since I got saved, all right, you are calling God a liar. I, I just don't think that's a place you want to be. Martin Luther understood that, and that is why he had this short list. He knew that if he sinned, he could look at 1 John 1, 9, and John tells us, if we confess our sin, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we call that keeping a short account with God. And so that was freeing for Martin Luther, and and he wants to convey that in all of his teaching. Is that still a problem today? A lot of us, uh, well, nobody's under the uh, medieval Catholic Church anymore. Do, do we still have problems with, with legalism and profound guilt? And the answer is yes. I'm going to give you one example. Uh, I, I know a person, a man, who was very, is very learned, and he is a, a deeply religious man, but he is not a man of faith. He belongs to a religious organization that just heaps guilt upon guilt upon him, And he, in order to be right with God, he has to follow all these religious rules, okay, such as 
He has to attend certain religious ceremonies, typically once a week, but during the holy days, sometimes more. During the day, he has to give this, these oral incantations. Now, they're not prayers. They're just same words every time that somehow he gets favor in return for saying them. Um, he has to make signs during certain parts of the day, again, so the grace will be conferred upon him. Um, during this calendar year, uh, there's a time of public humiliation and self-denial. And if he misses any of those things, he's, he's fraught with guilt. And, and he can't get rid of that guilt. He can't go directly to God. He has to go through this religious organization, and they tell him, okay, well, now here, here's how you get right again. You, you do this or you pay this. And I, I guess in some circles we might call that some form of penance. And it's not just a particular church. There are cults and churches that, that all have these kinds of things. So still very much with us. And so Galatians is a book that really should be freeing for this person. Now let's go back to Martin Luther. So several decades after the start of the Reformation, um, he's now an elderly man and he's lecturing to some young men who are going to be, or being trained up to be pastors. And he says, you don't know how fortunate you are. You grew up in Christian homes. You know, by the time you were born, your parents were already saved. You grew up in an environment of grace. You don't understand this profound sense of guilt that hangs over you and thinking all the time that you've got to work harder, work faster, so that you can be right with God. Now, I don't know exactly what he said, but I'm going to modernize it because I think it's still applicable today, but I think Martin Luther got it wrong. So Martin Luther could have said if he was here today, hey, boys, you don't know what it was like to grow up in the medieval Catholic church, all right? You don't know. You grew up, your parents were saved. You learned about the gospel through veggie tales, okay? You got to go to Awana. Jesus loves me, this I know, okay? Everything was good. And then you got into this killer youth group at this mega church. Oh my gosh, you had these incredible speakers, high eight high-octane, you know, Christian rock music or praise music, uh, lights, smoke. And he said, you, you guys were rocking. You, you just don't understand legalism and how it can get you down. But I think Martin Luther was wrong in that because, as I said earlier, the human nature is incredibly legalistic, finds it impossible to believe in grace, it's impossible to live by faith, and their conscience is always filled with guilt. And I say this because I, I know a, a woman who is in full-time Christian ministry, and she volunteers half a day a week at uh, a Christian center in a local secular university where she does prayer and um, a counseling for Christian kids that come in. And so we were talking, and of course, what, what is most of the counseling about? This will be shocking to some of you, I'm sure. A, child molestation. They ever molested his kids. That, that's pretty frequent, okay? Different issue, not talking about that one today. But the other really, really big one is they are angry with God, and they have a guilty conscience. They know it's not right to be angry with God, but they are angry with God, and now they feel guilty about it, and they don't know what to do. Why are they angry with God? 
As I was talking to this woman, I realized I'm a volunteer writer with gotquestions.org, and I don't get the, these kind of questions often, but when I do, they seem like they're all from about the same age group, all right, college age into the 20s. And they're asking questions that we get to answer, and very often in that age group, it is, I'm angry with God. As I talked with this woman about, you know, why this particular age group, kind of what we came up with was it's what they are hearing in church. They hear feel-good sermons. God loves you. He's got a wonderful plan for your life, and he, you can always count on God to take care of you. He's always working to help you. And then you sing these worship uh, songs. God is always, always working. Only a God like you are worthy of my praise. What's with that? And, and songs that make the individual the center, not God, and somehow God is there like a magic genie to take care of you. Well, now we're in college. You lost the boyfriend. You lost the girlfriend. You didn't get a good grade. You didn't get the summer job you wanted. You're interviewing, and nobody wants to interview you, and it goes on and on and on. And you're like, God, I, I kept my part of the bargain. You know, I go to church every Sunday, you know, I got automatic deduction for my checking account once a month for the church. You know, I did my obligatory, you know, uh, short-term mission. You know, come on, I did everything I was supposed to. Why are you not blessing me with all these material things? I'm angry with you. But, I re- but now I feel guilty that I'm angry. All of which to say, Galatians I think is a very pertinent book today for all of us. We all struggle with legalisms, either some that are put on us by other groups or people, could be church, your parents, whatever, okay? Or your own conscience, the things you put on yourself. Paul calls this in Galatians, Galatians 5, verse 1, he says, For freedom Christ has set us free, free from our guilty conscience. We are free now to stand firm in him, to to live by faith, and and not to have to submit to this guilty conscience and and to sin. And then, of course, one of the favorite memory passages is Galatians 5, 22-23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. The gospel is good news. It is by faith. That is justification. Our walk with Christ afterward we are saved is that sanctification process where we walk in faith, trust that the power of sin over us will become less and less, and that we can display that fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Friends, let me pray over us before we go. Gracious Lord, we thank you for the book of Galatians. We thank you for the example of Martin Luther. Lord, we confess we do still struggle with the guilty conscience, the legalisms, because we don't want to walk by faith with you. We want to walk in our own strength. Oh Lord, help us to walk in the Spirit, that we may have true freedom in you. In Jesus' name, amen.